Act 1. Hope. Man may be said to have two heredities, a biological one and a cultural one. Theodosius Dobzhansky, Ukrainian-born U.S. geneticist. Infancy, a performance. I am a newborn. I am placed in a small, square, white room with a bear cub and a wolf cub. We are all newborns. We lick at one another, and their claws and teeth cut my skin. Their fur tickles my face and belly. Once every two hours, a mother bear is brought into the room by a man dressed as a ringmaster. Her teats are swollen with milk, and the three of us suckle from her until we sleep and she is led back out. We sleep in one furry pile. There is one window in the room, high above our heads, as in an operating room, where the audience is invited to watch for as long as they are able. One day, a large grayish egg rolled near to the mother's nest. She was sitting dutifully, waiting for her own perfectly white, normal-sized eggs to hatch, and she was full of a need to warm eggs to help them hatch. In Eric Erickson's well-known Stages of Social-Emotional Development, the first stage of a child's life is marked by the hope stage, wherein the relationship with the mother is most significant. The psychosocial crisis is trust versus mistrust, and the overriding existential question is, can I trust the world? Can I trust the world? The mother cuts the belly and sings. When the baby comes, she covers the head of the trophy box with black velvet. She stops all the faucets. She breaks glass with her hand. She lights a star on fire big enough for both of them to sleep inside. The mother wraps the baby in white gauze and cauterizes her mouth with flames. She pours on the mercurochrome. She walks through snowdrifts with no clothes. The mother places all the rifles on a rack high above the baby's head. She takes the baby to the lake. Let her see if she can swim. Trust has been the devil. To trust the hands rough from work in a garden. To trust the hands smooth from the rubbing on of onions in the kitchen. The constant cooking. Trust is the fly in the ointment of the time that flew by on the bay. The bay where you walked with your mother. The bay where you caught catfish with your father. You skated over the ice in winter and walked all the way home in your skates, then drank cocoa in front of the fire. You trusted the slow, smooth strokes of the swim your father taught you in Lake Michigan. You knew the open waters were a mouth you could kiss in summer. Their waves would never harm you. But you were born to a family of eaters. You were born to a family of wolves. There were eight children. Two of them belonged biologically to a cousin. You were born to a patchwork family. You never trusted where you came from. Much later, there was a husband who happened to need you and a daughter you had with him because you wanted to know what it meant to have a daughter. You promised to love the husband at a courthouse. The husband held your three-year-old daughter between you while you swore to a judge you'd love one another. She sucked your binky, and the judge later told you she was too old for such things. You pulled a drunk, long-haired man named Ron in to be your witness. You did not know him. He was there for his knocked-up niece's wedding, which was next. The long frown and sad goodwill look of her gown was an omen. Four years later, your husband packed up his things 
and your daughter and your expensive dining room table and took them all to a new home. There were new hardwood floors and a new red couch for entertaining new lovers. And now the thick hands of clouds from Flint to LaGuardia fold themselves beneath your plane like the wings of a mother bird. You are running to Manhattan again, and panic echoes through you like your estranged husband solemn. I do. Mothers, I have no father. I was born directly from the head of now-famous performance artist Marina Abramovich, as Athena was born from Zeus. Marina's mother, Danica, beat her mercilessly all her young life until she was 29 years old. In order to protect me from Danica, Marina hid me far away in another family, in Michigan, in the United States, only stealing me back from time to time so I would not forget her. She did not realize that the woman who cared for me, Ramona, also had a tyrant for a mother, Anita. Luckily, Anita was already dying when I came to be with Ramona, so she could not terrorize me as she had done Ramona, or as Danica would have done to me if Marina kept me in Yugoslavia with her. The mother stared at the cold egg for a long while, with a twitching in her belly and a swirling in her brain, until she decided she needed the egg. Her husband had gone mad. He was leaving her for weeks at a time to be with other females. When he was home, he was beating her and her other babies all soundly. Pulling the grayish egg under her wings would give her more warmth, distract her from her troubles for a while. Perhaps when whatever baby was born of this egg got older, it could help protect her from her husband, maybe even help her leave him. Firewood. The man they called my father was smacking Ramona and screaming at her. He especially seemed to enjoy calling her names. He told her she was fat and ugly, but he told her that all the time. This particular day, he wanted all of the firewood brought in before it got much colder. He put her in the basement to accomplish some suddenly all-important task. She was whimpering, trying not to sob out loud, as she knew it would only get her in more trouble. I began to cry too, feeling helpless and scared. I was in charge of helping him bring in the firewood. If I stacked too few pieces of wood in my arms at once, he would smack me and throw more on. If I dropped them, he would smack me again. With an armful of firewood, I walked into the house. Because I had been thinking about Marina and wishing she would just take me away again, there were tears streaming down my face. As I passed him once, he saw that I had been crying, and he smacked me harder than ever, square in the face, then hit the wood to make it all fall out of my hands. He said, there, now you have something to cry about, and walked away. The mother would make this strange egg her own, even though she did not know where it came from. She didn't question that. Now it was hers. Marina Abramovich is my mother. Her mother dreamed she was a huge snake. She almost killed her. Marina Abramovich is my mother. Ramona Marie is my mother. Her mother dreamed. Her black hair hangs in ropes around my bed like a canopy. It smells like a forest and is as damp as a forest floor after a slow spring rain. She was a huge snake. In our backyard there is nothing but willow trees and when thunderstorms come, their dancing arms violently kiss my windows until my shaking fills her arms. She almost killed her. 
Even when I pull her from her work, she's patient with me and waits until the rain turns back to hush. She kisses my forehead and tells me to be brave. Some kind of light is always dancing around her head. The Bear and the Wolf After emerging from Marina's head, fully armed and ready for war, she placed me in a white room with one window high above my head, as in an operating room, where an audience was invited to watch. Also in the room was one bear cub and one wolf pup. We would play and sleep together. Every two hours, Marina, dressed as a ringmaster, would lead either a sow bear or a lactating bitch wolf into the room on a leash. Their teats would be swollen with milk, and the three of us would suckle from them until we were asleep and they would be led back out. This performance lasted for the first two years of my life, whenever Marina had me back and I was not under Ramona's care. Ramona marveled at the scrapes and cuts all over my body. She grew sus suspicious about my lack of appetite. The audience was sworn to secrecy, and there were no visual records made of this, my first performance. The egg felt the softness of the mother, the warmth. Where the egg had rolled from there had been endless discussions of art, music, theater, literature. The egg loved the talking, but the egg was also tired. The egg's real mother did not need the egg. She was perfectly whole without the egg. This new warm mother offered only need, only soft, only the quiet of this nest where nothing at all was happening. The egg floated in this warmth for some time. The maggots. When I was four years old, I had sex with a neighbor who was also four years old. He had an older sister who was seven or eight. The three of us were friends. We played together every day. We played on the metal swing set between our houses. Once in the spring, we jumped into three black garbage bags filled with leaves that had been left under the swing set all winter. When the bags burst open, we slipped on the slimy leaves and maggots covered our hair and our coats. It was a different day that we had sex. His sister led us up to his attic where there was an old baby crib. On the way up the stairs, she told us that we were going to pretend to be girlfriend and boyfriend. I remember that I felt excited by this idea. It seemed fun. She made us get in the crib. Her intention was to have us have sex inside the crib, but we were too big. So she told us to lay down on the floor. She made us get naked, then told him to lay on top of me and put his penis into my vagina. Neither one of us wanted to do it. She threatened us. She said she would do something horrible to us if we didn't. I don't remember what it would have been. His penis was not erect, but it did go inside of my vagina to a certain extent. His sister instructed him to move up and down on me and rub against me. I remember feeling scared because I knew what we were doing was wrong. I remember cobwebs on the ceiling and the smell of cat urine, mildew, and long-standing dust. I believe this is the moment I had my first sexual fantasy, which felt a great deal like performance. I was Batman. The boy on top of me, my friend, was Robin. Marina was far away, busy, in her studio. I have no idea where Ramona was when this happened. Mama. The daughter is the mother. We wrapped fetal-sized. The baby did not come to the mother through the usual means, or rather, there is no usual means. Into each other's breastbones, Mama. The baby is created out of thought. 
a moment in the mother's mind. She is the headache that Zeus had. While we breathed heavy into each other's mouths. She was called forth, this baby. Then fell back into a kind of sleep. From rivers, from trees, from a different ocean. Marina Abramovich is my mother. She slaps his face over and over. She teaches me in repetitions. Love is pain. Marina Abramovich is my mother. Ramona Marie is my mother. She slaps his face. She reads me bedtime stories that begin with the mother bear crawling through a forest, puking her last catch toward the direction of her cub's mouth. She is always fatally wounded. Over and over. When the mother bear dies, I always cry so she can turn me over and spank my bottom, then tell me she's sorry for it later. She teaches me in repetitions. She catches my howling in her mouth and feeds me mostly butterflies for bedtime snacks. Just before sleep, she brings me warm milk with honey. Love is pain. And she never lets me out of her sight. Then something terrible happened to the egg. The warm, wet shell began to crack all around, and the mother looked down upon her brood. The odd egg was an even odder baby, and the other babies knew she was not from them, and they hated her immediately. Anita. When I was born, Ramona's mother, Anita, was already dying of lung cancer. She spent the first two years of my life in bed, and then she died. She had a particularly keen nose, right until the day she died, and she could smell that I did not really belong to Ramona. She told Ramona that she should give me to her to raise instead of lying to the man they called my father and the children they called my siblings. Ramona was afraid that Anita would beat me as she had done to her, so she would not leave me with her. Anita, in her morphine drip stupor, thought I was a good spirit of death sent to transition her from this world to the world of the dead. Whenever I would visit, she would hold me close to her and kiss me often to receive some of my breath. I would whisper stories in her ear about my life with Marina and all of our performances, and Anita would laugh like a little girl. Though the ugliness of this strange baby bothered her, the mother held the baby to her and shooed away the others when they spit, kicked, and swore at it. She nursed the baby dutifully, with the hope that if she nursed her long enough, she would become her own. This concludes Act One. I'd like to thank Trisha O'Connor, Barb Handley-Miller, Mark Brown, Shay Davis, Kristen Cornelius, Aralyn Ross, Danielle Peterson, Crystal Starkey, Donna Giuliani, and Laura Dahl as well as Tim Kenyon for allowing me to borrow their voices for this episode of Marina Abramovich is My Mother. Please visit marinaabramovichismymother.weebly.com for more information about Marina Abramovich is My Mother and its author, Jody Ann Stevenson. Please visit the author's Patreon page to learn more about her projects and how you can support her work at patreon.com slash Stevenson. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash J-O-D-I-A-N-N-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-O-N. Thanks for listening.